0: Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Call Airwaves, the podcast dedicated to giving weekly TV show episode reviews Come along with news and opinions Come on the entertainment industry. Come, I'm Dan Schmidt, your host. got with me as a guy who we know will always be out there searching to save various numbers that they by the machine. My co-host,
1: Hey everybody, it's Nico and welcome to Cross Airwaves. On this week's episode, we conclude our coverage of the spring 2016 TV season with our review of the series finale episode of Person of Interest with our very own Mark Schreiner guest hosting with Dan and I as we discuss the series finale.
0: Yes, thank you for joining us, Mark. Always good to have you here. Good to be here. Yes, for sure. But before we get into talking with Mark about all things first of interest in his excitement over the outstanding series finale of the show, we're going to have our new Nico section talking about Game of Thrones, get renewals for Corfin Black, Con Man, Garcher, and a whole lot more. And also we've got some great stuff about Doctor Who being a Emmy contender, Dan walking dead, filming a death scene. For all of Egan's potential victims, just to keep us guessing on who might die, concluding the actors. to so take it away with all the detailed you go.
1: Game of Thrones hits bonkers ratings numbers in Season 6. Game of Thrones keeps getting bigger and bigger. According to the internal numbers, HBO's flagship series is averaging 23.3 million viewers per episode in Season 6, including first air, repeats, DVR, and streaming. That's up 15% over Season 5, the series' previous highest-rated season. Sunday night premiere ratings are up 6% to 7.3 million viewers an episode. Overall, TV and on-demand viewership is up 4%, but the big story is that streaming viewership on the HBO Go and HBO Now digital platforms is up a whopping 7%. 90% from last season, with 2.5 million streams an episode. HBO Go is available to HBO cable subscribers, while HBO Now is a standalone digital service that launched before Game of Thrones Season 5 premiere last year. Game of Thrones' closest competitor, The Walking Dead, averaged 19.4 million viewers in Live Plus 7 Nielsen ratings for its Season 6 finale. It's not a perfect comparison, since HBO's numbers measure total views, while AMCs are only measuring TV and DVR for the first week after the premiere, so it's hard to say which is more popular. But regardless, this is great news for Game of Thrones and HBO. HBO. Orphan Black renewed for fifth and final season. The culmination of Clone Club is on the calendar. Orphan Black will end after the upcoming fifth season BBC America announced last Thursday. The 10-episode season five will air sometime in the spring of 2017. Quote, We are excited to deliver an epic conclusion to the tale of Sarah and her clone sisters, co-creator John Fawcett and Graham Mason said in a statement. The past four seasons have been a phenomenal adventure, and we are eternally grateful to our loyal fans who have loved the twists and thrills of our weird little show. We are thankful to our partners at Temple Street and to BBC America and Space for their support and giving us the opportunity to end on a high. I love this show and I'm so glad it's going out while still on top and telling the five season story they intended to tell. Doctor Who is officially an Emmy contender. As an American fan of of the perennial British program, Doctor Who, I've more or less grown accustomed to the fact that it's not going to receive any award consideration outside of the BAFTAs and other UK societies and possibly the Hugos, but this year changes everything. BBC America is now co-producing the show officially, which means there's a significant enough American Involvement to make Doctor Who eligible for Emmy consideration, and they're lobbying hard for it. In a recent overview of the 2016 Emmy ballot, Variety noted that Peter Capaldi, showrunner Steven Moffat, and director Rachel Talalay have all been placed on the voting sheet, meaning we could see all of them at the ceremony if they get nominated. Doctor Who itself was not placed on the ballot for Outstanding Dramatic Series, where it would have had a tough time getting nominated in the same group as Game of Thrones and House of Cards, but Capaldi is included in the lead actor category, and Moffat and Talalay are included for writing and directing, respectively, for the penultimate episode Heaven Sent, and the series could also snag nominations for costumes, production design, and prosthetic makeup and visual effects. In my opinion, this is years late on the recognition, but I'm happy that it is finally getting some recognition here in the States. Game of Thrones is getting its own convention. A new celebration of ice and fire has made its way to the Game of Thrones fandom. After years of having to head to all those regular conventions, which don't only feature George R.R. Martin's work, the Con of Thrones will be all Westeros all the time when it hits up Nashville in 2017. Announced and created by the folks at Watchers on the Wall, the convention will take place over the 4th of July weekend starting June 30th, 2017 in Nashville, Tennessee. According to the site's announcement, this convention is led by diehard fans of the series. No detail will go unnoticed. The time is right to celebrate this phenomenon with people and new friends who love it most. I just hope there are enough tickets for everyone who wants to go but more than likely I won't be heading to Nashville next 4th of July. Walking Dead film death scene for all 11 of Negan's potential victims. It seems networks will do anything to make sure season ending cliffhangers and subsequent season beginning murder scenes won't get spoiled by photo sharing looky loos. Even waste the time of 10 other actors. But when you're cable's number one show, it's not hard to run the cost benefit analysis on that. AMC has done that evidently for the aftermath of the most infuriating season ender since wondering who shot that jr guy my parents used to talk about the walking dead teased that one of the 11 main characters could be the recipient of negan's barbed wire bat and they filmed all 11 just to keep the secret many people and outlets including dan and i in our penultimate and finale discussions this spring expected the finale of season six to end with the new big bad negan killing off one of our leads with lucille his trusty spike-wrapped louisville slugger and technically it did do that except we did didn't get to see whose brains were dashed and whose story ended because the damn thing cut to black. We've now got to wait months to find out who was the victim, and according to The Hollywood Reporter, AMC wants to ensure we keep guessing until the very end because they filmed, as I said, 11 different versions of the premiere's opening scene for which for each of the characters who might be the real poor soul. 11 different versions of the same scene were filmed to stop any spies from posting pictures from the set. So that means maybe for the Blu-ray release, you can see Rick, Carl, Michonne, Glenn, Maggie, Abraham, Sasha, Daryl. Eugene, Aaron, and Rosita each bite the dust, though only one of them will be the real thing. I guess we'll know for sure in October. Eliza Dushku and Alan Tudyk reunite for Conman Season 2. Whedon vs. alums, Elijah Dushku and Alan Tudyk are reuniting for Conman, Tudik's crowdfunded online series. Executive producer PJ Harazma took to Twitter to tease a photo of the Dollhouse duo back in action. Tudyk, who fans fell in love with as the Serenity Pilot Hoban Washburn, or Wash to us Browncoats, in Josh Whedon's short-lived Space Western Firefly, used his experience attending sci-fi conventions as a point of inspiration for Conman. The Vimeo series follows Ray Nearly, played by Tudyk, who played a pilot on the fictional sci-fi series Spectrum that was beloved but canceled. Tudyk's former Firefly co-star Nathan Film plays Jack Moore, nearly best friend, who played the captain on the show and went on to amazing success. It's unclear what role Buffy the Vampire Slayer alum Dushku will play on the web series, but Season 2 of Conman premieres this fall on Comic-Con HQ. Archer renewed for Season 8, 9, and 10. FX has renewed the animated series for three more seasons, according to the network announcement on Tuesday. Former Spook Archer, Lana, and the rest of the gang will be back in early 2017 with an 8-episode Season 8. Two more 8-episode seasons will follow. The network also agreed to a new overall production deal with Floyd County Productions, which produces the series. I love this news, and with rumors of a live-action Archer movie with John Hamm as Archer, with H. John Benjamin voicing Archer, I really can't wait for all the Archer we're going to get. Tormund Giant Spain to rule the Seven Seas in Justice League. Khal Drogo isn't the only Game of Thrones badass to be playing an Atlantean in Justice League. While on the London set of Justice League, a trip in which Nerdist took part, IGN confirmed that Game of Thrones star Christopher Hivju, better known as Tormund Giant Spain, has joined the cast of the... DC comic team-up movie in a small role. The Norwegian actor's presence in the film was confirmed by concept art appearing on the wall of the production office, which labeled his character as an ancient Atlantean king. In Justice League, Batman and Wonder Woman must assemble the rest of Earth's metahumans in order to prevent Steppenwolf and his army of parademons from harnessing the powers of the three mother boxes, ancient alien supercomputers with immense power for evil. The three mother boxes have been on Earth for thousands of years, divvied up between the Amazonians, Atlanteans, and ancient humans, hidden from prying eyes to prevent them from falling into the wrong hands. Hands, namely the hands of Apocalyptian forces. Presumably, Hivju's character would be that ancient Atlantean king to whom one of the Mother Boxes was entrusted. Now, we just need to see Gwendolyn Christie as a badass ancient Amazonian queen so we can make that shipping relationship transcend fandoms. That would be awesome. And
0: that's the news with Nico for this week. Alright, with that, we're going to bring Mark in to talk about a person of interest finale that was outstanding and a great finish to an outstanding series that I pretty much thought was flawless. So let's talk about the person of the truth episode. Return Zero.
1: Samaritan makes one last desperate attempt to preserve itself from Finch's virus, and the team goes on what may be a suicide mission to stop it.
0: I can't think of a better swat to give a of interest. Creating action-based drama. TV series that what we got okay, this episode. All the goodbyes between characters were sad. Blue sins were tied up. Can okay, we get the ending we wanted without the frustration of getting a deception ending being thrown into the episode? Was this season finale that you felt to be complete? something that ended this series because one of the most flawless network shows we've seen
1: yeah you know initially i was slightly disappointed with the decision to use the we're going to show you the end and then jump back in time technique until i remembered that this was person of interest and there was going to be a major plot twist that made it all work out very well i love asynchronous storytelling and the episode out of gas from firefly is one of my favorite episodes of television all time and this week's episode and really this entire series has done a great job of using that technique when needed to tell very interesting stories however had it merely been what it appeared to be with finch's story being the end then i would have probably been disappointed with this finale but with the machine and reese pulling a fake out on finch and it being reese that sacrificed himself to save the world in the end and then the final scene where shaw continued the mission but allowed finch to seek his happy ending that brought it all together in a way that gave us both the endings we had hoped for a sacrifice but also the continuation of the mission as shaw wrote off into the sunset, continuing their work and a happy ending for Fusco and Finch. I thought that was a, the best yes. possible f- finale and, and way to wrap it all up.
2: Completely agree with uh, Nico on this. I like the idea at the very beginning where you do have that concern for not just uh, Reese and Finch, but Fusco as well as Shaw, you know, with, with the guy having the gun drawn on Fusco. You know, the the, the surprise when you look and you saw Finch bleeding and it's like, oh, is he going to go out like this? You know, that was really surprising as well, but yeah, I think I think like Nico said, to, 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 to Work backwards in this way, and the great thing about this entire season has been that it's been a variety of different storytelling techniques. Yep, you, you think of the great "what if" episode, the number of times that we saw, you know, the, the different scenarios that they were running Shaw through, so you could see the, the 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 different things going on in her mind, all the different scenarios that could have happened. Like you say, it it, it was a a, a fitting tribute for the way that this whole show has really told stories in an unusual way. And, you know, this last season of a lot of characters you liked or you were used to dying was really interesting and really played off well for a a show that's always been about surprising you.
0: Yep. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, it, it didn't fail to disappoint all the way through because this finale was the same way. God, it was impressive they did all this in 45 minutes. You know, normally shows need a two-hour finale or some long chunk of an episode to do this. God, this gave us everything we wanted for a fantastic finale in 45 minutes. It was great stuff.
2: Yeah, there were a couple of times when I was watching the episode where I'd click to see how far in the episode I was, and I'm going, okay, they only got 15 minutes. Okay, they only got 10 minutes. Okay, how are we getting out of this? <laughs> so that's that's good storytelling when you're when you're working against the clock like that.
0: Yeah, they, they do that. Coming into it, I'm pretty sure they were, got an idea of where they time frame was going to work and kind of fit everything in and I mean they did a brilliant job and I'm just glad that this was Kishore where they knew they, where they were going with it and finished it on their terms instead of the network screwing it over and just dying out and with the thought of the whole episode together there were a lot of very serious sad sound moments in this episode but I'm glad this episode started with the last hurrah team up between Bruce and Reese with someone being suspicious of how much time Reese takes off Because the final line between these two guys really was something that kind to relationship perfectly, with Reese telling him, Don't get killed. cut Fusco saying, Basically, I love you too. Were you glad with how they wrapped up a partnership between Fusco and Reese, where there were no secrets cut between them, and Lionel got the chance to thank his friend for turning his life around?
2: If you would have told me at the beginning of this series that Fusco was going to be the, one of the last guys left alive on the team, I would have been shocked. I would have been shocked. <laughs> and um, he's a really good, you know, it was a good character. I liked in the What If episode how they showed that he would have ended up you know as as a as a, a member of hr and and taken down with hr if the guys hadn't come along and done what they did so um yeah to see them ramp it up as friends and yeah exactly that yeah i love you too line when he said that it was just you know it was really nice and it, it really you know to, to see them in danger and then get out of danger was fun was fun
1: yeah i especially like the fact that they essentially got two goodbyes in the sense that fusco got to thank reese for making him a better man before he thought they they were going to be killed by those corrupt cops and then again we got that great scene that you mentioned where Reese told him not to die and Fusco told Reese that he loved him too I liked the struggle we got with telling Fusco or not all season long and how great that was whether they were going to tell him what was going on but I sort of feel like we missed out with not having him know about the machine longer and be a full member of the team for more episodes but then again we would not have gotten that great moment when he said that he knew these guys were crazy is he? But the whole meeting the machine took it to the next level of cuckoo for cocoa puffs. That was just fun, and I don't think it. I don't think it holds as much if it's in the tenth episode of the season instead of the finale when he when he has that realization or that that moment where he meets the machine. I think it worked very well because it was the finale. But at the same time, I I, I sort of felt like there was so much we could have done with him being a full member of the team. So it was a little bit of you know if they had what would it have been like, you know, sort of thing in my mind? Yeah.
0: I think the character got his redemption and that's what they were going for with him. because We've always talked about redemption stories. are something that TV viewers really enjoy. I like to watch. because I think this one was really well done and captured that perfectly and I think that whole surprising turnaround with the HR episode you know, when they brought them down because he was the character that basically defeated the big bad that so was in charge of that group. Simmons, it was just the moment. when where that was probably one of my favorite moments of the series yeah. especially regarding this character and I think after that you know Yuki was going to make it to the end because it would have cheapened that really proud moment for this series and for Kevin Chapman as an actor I thought he's doing a great performance all the way through and I think that episode could beat the crap out of Simmons of course the pinnacle of it but he was also initially very very great this season and going all the way through I really enjoyed Fusco and I'm glad things ended for him the way it did great for the next point okay well to say this episode did kind of scare the crap out of me that possibly Food Scarred Shaw were gonna get killed by Jeff Blackwell. I mean, there was this really there was a feeling in this episode that they did a good job of making us feel like no one was safe, that they were gonna do some horrible, horrific, you know, Joss Whedon, Cajun Colson, gouache kind of death to us. Gad, I don't really think we got that. I think every death that occurred this season was satisfied, and I think everybody went out of their way where we felt like they could live to all their potential or succeeded in what they set out to do. Gad, the other thing is. I think if someone like Fusco and Shaw did end up dying in this episode, it would have made the other characters who died as in Root and Carter kind of their deaths be in vain. I could think Carter's death was a big factor in making Fusco come out of man and knowing her was a big part of that as well. Just as much as John changed it. I think Root did the same for Shaw. So if Fusco and Shaw died, I think it would have their deaths. In addition, I just think it was a good wrap-up for Shaw's character to kind of the moment where the machine talked her out of killing Jeff because I think it prove to her that she's capable of feeling she just feels in a very unique and different way. Although after getting two chances to live from the machine, Jeff had to be killed after almost fatally stabbing Fusco. And I don't think that tarnishes the character of Shaw from like final message to the woman she loved at all. I think Jeff had his chance. Shaw gave it to him. Root gave it to him. Fusco gave it to him. Again, he turned off every opportunity and, well, there's something you can do for him there. So do you agree with my observations? Because was this a good way to grab up Shaw's conflicts, her personality disorder
1: Yeah, you know, I, I really like the idea that the machine chose Shaw initially for who she was, and that the person of interest team chose to invite her to the team because they also thought she could be so much more with them than she was alone, or only being that killer that she was. I think they felt like they not necessarily could change her, but they could utilize her in a way that she didn't have to be a killer. And in the end we saw that, exactly like you were saying, Dan, that she gave just Blackwell a chance. She she didn't kill him outright like she wanted to when she found out that he was probably responsible for the death of Root. But once he had betrayed them once again, it was all bets were off. And at that point, she thought the machine was gone. She thought everything her whole team was gone. So she felt like he needed to be gone as well. And he, he was a threat. Right. So she eliminated him. And then I thought it was kind of funny that almost immediately after that, she, get, she gets the phone call from the machine. But yeah, it was good. The yeah. you know the fact that she's the one out there continuing the mission is is really the perfect ending to this series, and really made me happy at the end when she and Bear headed off to save the next number. That was one of the things that they did that was just absolutely right for this series.
2: I, I would have liked to have seen. Let me just address two points. One, I would have liked to have seen that quote unquote new team that we saw introduced a couple of episodes again uh, before, where no. they took those characters we had seen previously and they almost put them together as this new team working on the numbers I would have liked to have seen like Shaw maybe joining them or them like you know Shaw we have a job for you type stuff that would have just been a cool kind of bring everything back around because that that little plot twist of of creating a new team really I really like that idea I will also say this you, you you mentioned Dan you said that all of the deaths were characters that you know the deaths either were fitting in the character or were characters that we had you know seen their their usefulness come up or everything I'm gonna to disagree with one character, and that's Elias, who really went out in a way that I did not expect, and I still think there was a lot that they could have done with that Elias character, but, you know, that's, that's, just, that's just me, but I, I agree with you guys as well with the idea that, you know, they gave Jeff every opportunity, and Jeff was... At the beginning, you could see that Jeff was this guy who was being pushed into doing stuff he didn't want to do, oh. and he kind of felt he had to do it, even though it was bad stuff and and it hurt people. But by the end, I think Jeff—I don't want to say Jeff was enjoying it—but Jeff had turned into a killer, and he wasn't, you know, going to to go out like an angel and go, you know, oh no, I was wrong. I'm not going to do this again. You've shown me the error of my ways. So when Shaw like lowered the gun at him, I'm like, don't do this. Don't do this. And when she raised the gun back up, I'm like, good. Because I wanted to see Jeff get his in the end. And I think a lot of us did.
0: Yeah, it was kind of a uh, departed ending for Jeff. Oh, for yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to that's what I like. Come on, I was like, yeah, Sir Shahi. She got to do the, uh, the Mark Wahlberg scene, which is <laughs> kind of awesome for her. Yeah, again, you know, Mark, I think with Alliance, if this season had more episodes, I think we would have gotten more of that stuff. Oh, absolutely. Think, yeah, but again, to a certain degree, good 13-episode story, there were a lot more benefits to it as well. You know, you didn't really have a filler episode or didn't slow down or drag, which that was a good thing. I think this fifth season needed to be straight out through. But again, sometimes sometimes some things get come out and Goliath was the one, but I was much happier that he went out the way he did this season to get a kill at the end of Cup yeah. season four with that. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the, the surprise of him showing back up again was great. And then I think, I think you're right that by bringing him back as a surprise, but from having quote unquote killed him the first time, he did have that sword hanging over his head that you knew they could take him out at any time, any way. And they did. So that was, that, that was nice, you know, at least in terms of surprising you again.
0: Well, we needed someone to kind of tempt us and make us believe Fitch was gonna go kind of dark side a little bit because he was a little bit like the devil whispering in his ear kind of a few things, especially quit the devil of the voice. Yeah, but okay, talking about Fitch and going on to him, guys, I was glad there was some fun that took place between Fitch and Reese before they had to say goodbye. With Reese liking his new guns blazing style, God Fitch is a different person, and he basically quit to the extreme of touching the Federal Reserve with the nuclear bomb. I just thought that all secrets is funny stuff, so. and okay, it's really gonna leave me with fond memories of the playful banter that I've enjoyed taking place between these guys throughout the entire series. I mean, that was what was kind of the bread and butter of the show at the beginning and I'm glad that we got to get that captured one last time. Gad, at the same time, it also made me quite commotional when facing the reality one of these guys was going to have to sacrifice themselves for the other. Did you feel the same way since the friendship between these two ads have been sort of one of our favorite parts of television watching over the past five years? Gad, something, unique are you and I really enjoyed talking about here at ATA.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't think they could have handled this episode any better than the way that they, they did. They gave us the great back and forth between Finch and Reese that has been a staple of this series like you mentioned, Dan, and since it, it really started in about the second episode, and both Finch and Reese tried to ensure that their best friends survived by finishing the last mission alone, which fit perfectly with the way that we would expect these characters to try and go about things. Ultimately, like the machine said last week, John was living on borrowed time, and he decided to cash in all his credits at once to ensure Harold got his happy ending. Finch had his grace out there, but John had lost his love, first Jessica and then Carter, so in reality it made sense from a storytelling point of view that Reese would sacrifice himself to ensure Finch got to be with grace. Dan, we had surmised that one or both of these guys would probably have to sacrifice themselves to ensure the defeat of Samaritan, and it could easily have been both, but I'm kind of glad it went down the way it did, and that Harold ended up meeting up with Grace in Paris in the end. And Reese could not have asked for a better death than keeping his best friend and the entire world safe, which I kind of realize is your next point. So I don't want to go into it too much. So, uh, you know, we'll let Mark talk about it and then uh, let you explain your thoughts on Reese's death. Okay.
2: I got to say, and you bring up the point about the bluff of the bomb in the treasury, the look on John's face. Yeah. To where it was like, where did that come from? I mean, I had to, I had to pause it to to watch it again because I mean it was just so funny you know he really Caviezel has always had that that great deadpan expression of this you know this this cold-blooded killer who doesn't get surprised doesn't show emotion and for him to show that moment of oh my god I can't believe you just did that was just so perfect so wonderful John, you know, like you say, one of them was going to go out a hero. Uh, one of them was going to have to sacrifice themselves. And I never had the idea that it was going to be a Butch and Sundance, we're both going to jump off the cliff together type deal. I always figured one of them would die for the other as well as maybe the greater good. And it makes more sense, as you say, Nico, for Finch to live on for love. My thought always would have been that Finch would have lived on for the mission. But uh, for him to be able to give up the mission and live a life you know, it was a tremendous gift for John to give him. And it wasn't your average normal buddy program. You know, you could tell that they were two, uh, you don't want to say friends because I could never imagine. Although we did have the one episode where they did sit together and drink, uh drink the brandy at the wedding, but it's not like they were, uh or scotch, but it's not like they were, you know, guys who you could see going out and having a beer together, but you could tell that they had that respect and that admiration for one another. And that was, that really came through well, particularly with the sacrifice that John did at the end.
0: Uh. Callback, it's a good bag, like you brought up the point about the humor. God, okay, it confuses all his expressions throughout the show. I mean, yes, this is a okay, cold blooded killer, but they made the character quite a music and humorous at times. God, okay, I think that was a great part of this show is how they're able to throw this solo humor. Get it that there were points Of it was a very funny show, but it never got corny. You know, it never lost its grit. Good throwing in the humor, too. And that, that takes talent because a writer to pull those things off.
2: I would love to see if anyone has done a count. Maybe I'll look online and see if anyone's. Done on account, but how many times John smiled in the course of the show. Because I'm not <laughs> betting it's going to be a high number by any means.
0: No, I don't think so either. Definitely agree with that. Guy okay, 5 loved this character. I loved his story. I loved how he wanted to be a hero. Kind okay, of threw straight off that path. Okay, they came back to it thanks to Finch and Finch finding him and stopping him from really becoming a very dark person, because we saw in the Gwanath episode. Okay, normally, Nico knows this from our uh, Game of Thrones discussion when we thought certain major character was, taking. Get out of the story, I get angry. Got the thought of like a character I really enjoy, and again, John Reese was one of my top five favorite television heroes. Thinking about it, so the idea, especially even if you would have cut the beginning of the season of killing him off. Could have made me really angry. But with the way his death went down. I was actually at peace with that. Because his origin story. Of wanting to be a hero. Just like his father. Gave us the satisfaction. Of John accomplishing what he said all to do. I mean that's what he wanted. He, he was not command man that's goal was. having a relationship. Getting kids. Getting married and all that stuff. That he wasn't meant for that life. He didn't want that. And I think that's why deep down. His relationships with Jessica. And David Carter to a certain extent. Failed because he wanted this more than anything else and I think the psychiatrist could do that as well when they ended their relationship so the guy he went down happy doing what he wanted to do he wanted to be a hero beyond anything else Can that happen That that's just a great way to end the character with them getting that goal through just him saving the entire world from severity Can knowing that he died you know realizing that all of his sacrifices meant something do you guys think that this baby was one of the best major character deaths we've ever seen at the end of a series God, was there satisfaction with it for you guys as well?
2: I'll go ahead and say there was satisfaction with it. You know, I'd, I'd have to go through my mental database to figure out, you know, shows right. that good did with a major character's death. But I think that it certainly made sense in the course of the show, in the aim of the show. And I certainly think that it was it was good for the character. It did the, the character justice because this wasn't the guy who was going to, you know, go home to a white picket fence and a wife and 2.3 kids and a dog. Uh, Uh, he wasn't going to go out like that he was going to go out a hero on the battlefield and uh and they did it the right way with him
1: yeah like i said he couldn't have asked for a better death Uh, it was a soldier's death and a hero's death and that's what dan you said you know we saw that flashback to him standing at his adopted father's funeral knowing that his dad gave his life going into the into a fire that was like the gates of hell and gave his life so four others could live that's the kind of man that john's father was and that's the kind of man that John wanted to be and ultimately John saved the world by giving his life so there, there's no bigger hero's death than that for him All right
0: can I think you know this great sense in terms of you know thinking well why should Reese survive over Fitch? well Reese did make some mistakes he did kill some people in Cold like we saw earlier in the season with the, the one person of brother. brother there's probably more than that can Fitch, if you think about it throughout the entire series did he believe really he kill him? was a as
1: a result of his decisions people had died and that haunted him but he had never he pulled had never, the
0: trigger to my knowledge right, right and again every death on this series made sense to protect the greater good
1: well every death that reese every death that reese ever did he was following orders or believed in a cause and it was th- that was the reason that he right. pulled the trigger so he never actually cold-blooded killed somebody where there was no reason no rhyme to it he never right. murdered anybody in that in that sense he definitely killed people who probably should have been taken in for you know questioning or, or some other form of justice but every death that he dispensed was ordered or was part of a mission for the cia or for the army so uh, i don't know if, if saying he made mistakes and killed people in cold blood is the right way to say it but that he definitely had more souls
0: on his or deaths on his soul than than harold did The other thing is Reese asked for the fight. He volunteered. He made that decision to do it. Finch wanted to make the world a better place, but I don't think he intended to do it this way. I think he got kind of thrown into the situation.
1: Well, yeah, the fight definitely came to Finch when when they blew up the the ferry to get to Nathan and to to silence Nathan. That that was what threw Finch into the fold, and and that's what started him going up against Control. Essentially, was at that point he started following the numbers. He started trying to save the numbers and that was in direct opposition to what Northern Lights was, well not really direct opposition but it definitely put Northern Lights in danger and therefore the government would not yeah. have been been good with it and the people who were trying to keep Northern Lights secret would have, you know, tried to kill him at that point. Right. But
0: it was kind of like he, he deserved a uh, different ending than going down fight. Yeah, well I think so. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Well, another aspect of sacrifice that allowed me to see that he went out as the victor quotes a beautiful map that everyone should take the heart. Cause no one ever dies alone. As long as they were loved, could remembered by someone. Come on, question about Jonathan Nolan's conspiring philosophies. Come on, life after death that I think everyone should take the heart. Giz was the young cop of the flashbacks supposed to be Fusco. Because this by the machine tape is as an asset because he took this message so strongly. No, heard.
1: because the machine was not around when Fusco was a rookie, you know? And when that guy was a rookie, Fusco was many, many years before the machine was ever in its early operation when it was observing the world and learning about humans from their interactions. So this was many years after Fusco had been on the job and had been working. So that young guy was just another cop, you know, at the time that the the machine first came online and and first started learning about humans. It's a good idea, but it it just doesn't fit the timeline.
2: Well, I I will say this because the machine had the capability of going back in time. So it could have pulled out some old footage. But just for me, physically looking at the guy. The guy was too, too good looking and young and skinny to be Fusco yeah. you know, 30 years later. But <laughs> I, I do think the idea was that that the machine was able to dip in and out of different things and see different things that would, that would teach the machine lessons about humans and that was a wonderful lesson. That was a beautiful lesson and I kind of was, I've been thinking about this because I saw this question coming up and, and my thought was that it was almost like these two cops were like, you know how Shakespeare always had the uh, the choir the, the the group that was off to the side observing yeah. it was almost a little bit of a Shakespearean tool of these these outside characters making a commentary about the story as well as about the greater message of humanity that was coming through the story and when the one when the the, the older officer turns to the younger one and, and says that you know maybe no one does die alone as long as they're loved or remembered and I mean I'm sitting there and I'll admit that I'm I'm sitting there and I'm like, really, this was a great, powerful, emotional moment because you knew that Reese didn't have anyone other than this team, and yet this team was going to let his message and his and his life live on because they remembered him, because they knew him and they loved him, and they 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 would remember him and carry his work on, and that was that was pretty cool, and that's why I almost thought that even when Finch was with his his his, his love at the end, I almost thought that maybe Finch was going to continue the work a little bit because of the the message that Reese was going to live on and and his work was going to live on.
0: Yeah, I think it's an interesting point. I think if Finch gets called upon or Sean needed him for something, he would help. But I think he would mostly stay out of the fight.
2: Yeah, I mean, and and the good thing, like we said, is that about the closure that this episode gave was that it wasn't like you walked out of it going, oh my God, you know, does Finch, does Finch, you know, uh, leave with a mission in peril? Or it wasn't a how does it end ending. So that was the nice thing that you kind of got the idea that yeah Finch is out uh, Shaw's in Fusco's probably still in and the, the the machine is still alive.
0: Well the other thing is kid Finch is why did he just think the machine was dead? Could he just decide to move on? Could he just went under that assumption?
2: That's how I read it. That's yeah I think so too is is and that that's a good thing is because then the machine lets Finch have the break as well which was you know maybe that's the machine learning at the very end that I have to let my crew creator go i have to let my father go and i have to leave the nest and yeah shaw can help me but you know the machine realizes for a
0: human's happiness sake let let finch go so it's almost like that scene was the daughter saying goodbye to her father because she left home which she said goodbye
2: Yeah, and the fact that it was, you know, it was Amy Acker doing the whole voiceover and everything, you know, I mean, it's just pull my heart out and stomp on it on the floor because (laughs) it was so good and it was so well written. And like I said, the message was just so, so wonderful beyond the show. I mean, it was a wonderful message for life. And you don't get a lot of good shows.
0: You wouldn't expect to find it get an action shoot up show like this either.
2: Yeah, but again, this is a Jonathan Nolan project. Property. Yeah, and exactly. You, you look at is particularly, I mean, I, I'm a huge Nolan fan from the Batman movies, obviously, as opposed to some of his other films. But, you know, those those films, even as rah-rah superhero punch-out movies, did have this this greater message to them. So I, I yeah. never really was surprised that there was something
0: deeper at the core of Person of Interest. Okay, again, again, that's why guys say he is one of the best writers out there, okay, especially during the television this is his first show that he did, and uh, that his way of running, good show or putting content together is just really, really well done. And I'm very much so looking forward to his next show, Westworld. Yeah,
1: me too.
2: Yeah, and I like the idea that he did—he did write this episode, and the fact that—and I'm probably going to mispronounce her name, but Denise Thee co-wrote it with him. Yeah. You know, I've been a fan of hers, you know, since Terminator, and 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 they really, you know, to 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 send it out this way, they really nailed it very well.
0: Yes. Yes, I agree. And I, okay, Jonathan Olin should be very proud of this. I mean, this was his, this thing was his baby. Got really the idea. Got the end of the Dark Knight. Got the computer system. Got the phone system. that the Got the end. That was the show. That was where that idea was thrown into that film. And so for him to fully get to expand it and reach it out and do that, and it's, you know, wonderful stuff. And I've really very much so enjoyed everything that he personally has written. Because Ben had been involved with, because I love Inception as well, because okay, that's made it in this show, Get an awful lot as well, with a lot of things.
2: Real quick, let me just, while we're talking about the creative side of this show, let me give a shout out for something that this show has done almost since the beginning, and that has used a tremendous a tremendous soundtrack, uh, in addition to the, 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 the ambient music, the music, uh, the background music throughout the show, uh, the use of songs. This is one of the shows that consistently, I'm on the web trying to figure out what song it is or I'm just blown away that they've used this song or that song. Uh, earlier this season where they had the shootouts and they used Moby, you know, d- just an incredible, incredible use of music. And, uh, this episode with, uh, the, the instrumental music throughout. So that was really impressive. But yeah, so just the idea of the music has been just incredible. And, and this episode again in particular was just, you know, a- another wonderful tribute to, you know, the, the, the background of these shows that you don't necessarily realize until you really paying attention to it. Because they used a
0: lot of different styles of music on this show for different things. And then one of the main examples I can think of because at the end of that first Elias episode, where they used the jazz music for him at the yeah. end to yeah. introduce him and stuff just that was a very I remember that moment that was very powerful and again I loved Enrico Colin Tony I loved him on anything he's popped up on so for him to get that set up for his character that was just great stuff got another villain that I think deserves an awful lot of credit that was great on the show was come John Nolan yep. Jonathan's actual uncle that yeah. is pretty awesome He's well. involved.
2: I didn't realize that it was his actual uncle until I think about like three episodes <laughs> ago that I happened yeah. to be looking and it was like 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 oh yeah this is his uncle i was like really i thought (laughs) but yeah he was i'll tell you i was kind of surprised the way that he went out for such a such a badass
1: to simply go out by um oh yeah i'm gonna turn the uh the the, uh the oxygen off and boom i'm gonna die Well, Dan and I talked about that last week, that he was such a fanatic for Samaritan that he believed by giving his life, he was also taking finches and the one true threat to Samaritan. And so by sacrificing himself in that scene and both of them dying, he was ensuring Samaritan's victory. So in that sense, it is an impactful death.
2: Yeah, you're right that way. But it was, I mean, in retrospect, I get to look at it and go, yeah, yeah. oh, that was kind of, you know, pointless.
1: <laughs> but yeah, you're
2: totally right that he he was Sacrificing himself for what he thought was the mission, only to you know have the uh, have the heroes foil him in the end, and he doesn't know it. Uh, so yeah, I mean at least he doesn't get to
0: see his his all his plans go up in flames. Exactly. And I think I'm just gonna go with my last part about this particular episode that I have a point to make about the show because I, with the machine, comparing to be dead, I was concerned that the whole, we had to know that the person Ventures team is still out there saving people was gonna be put out the window. I mean I just thought Joe you know, was. Good the machine was going to be dead because everyone was going to go off on their own. But they did what you predicted, Nico, In a way that was less ambiguous than we originally thought. But in my opinion, it was ultimately satisfied. Did you both like on the show get in with us clearly knowing the machine was able to copy itself got recruited Shaw to continue saving numbers with Fusco probably doing favors from her from time to time?
1: Yeah, I like that the machine uploaded itself along with the virus to the satellite, or maybe it actually uploaded itself to a second satellite backup, but it ultimately allowed itself to download itself back to a server after it was sure that Samaritan was wiped out and the ICE 9 virus was under control and the networks were safe to return to. That is also why it had a failsafe of recording a message to itself on tape to teach it all of the things that it had learned before its compressed core was uploaded to the satellite and then it returned and did not have its memories except that it did because it had it had made a tape backup in Root's voice the idea that Shaw was out there with Bear saving people continuing the mission and helping people was the best possible ending and the idea that Fusco was helping when possible or keeping her out of custody at times made my day as well I love that their friendship Fusco and Shaw survived the death of Reese and for all intents and purposes Finch's death like disappearance to continue the mission and the person of interest team in perpetuity and i kind of hope that eventually they set up franchises like we we originally saw or we thought you know (laughs) the machine is setting up these extra people these people who are there to step in when everything else goes against you and kind of save the day and that's a nice way to look at it is that there's people out there that are out there just to save the irrelevance
2: well and and i I like what you say there nico that you know for all we know and again this was You know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but for all we know, the machine was setting up teams in other cities. Yep, in other countries around the world and maybe he calls these three, he puts these three together that, again, like I said, when when those three characters started showing up in that episode, it was kind of like, okay, why are we bringing back all these these secondary characters? And, I mean, you know, Dan, you and I know this from comic books, that there are times where you bring together these teams of, of B characters or C characters right. because you're setting up a whole new franchise. And, and that's what they were kind of doing. And I think, yeah, the the possibility that the machine was doing that was certainly satisfying. That was really, really neat to see. And yeah, definitely the idea that they that the Shaw picks up the phone at the end and it's like, okay, we continue. And it's it was also the idea from earlier in the season where the machine was continually running through scenarios, and that went through what like three or four different episodes where uh, Root would come in and say, you know, oh Finch, how's the machine doing? And I know you're running it through its paces, and you know the machine still hasn't figured out a way that to win and the machine figured out a way to win and you know it was nice that they just didn't tell us they showed us boom the machine has figured it out and you know, won the game that it was trying to play. Um, I do want to mention one thing that also got me again as a fan was to have Root show up in physical form. Yeah. That was a surprise. I, I, again, as a, as a huge fan of Amy Acker, I, I was disappointed when they killed her, but I was also surprised and, and, and happy that they brought her back for the voice and for then for her to appear, you know, physically to Harold and walk him around the way she did and, and the line with, with Finn in her where Finch says oh good you've learned the secret of life and you've forgotten it she remembered it the machine remembered it in the end and that was uh, that was neat um, that it was able to save itself and create you know a whole new machine
0: that would continue the work my question is did the machine know that she was going to be able to do this or was it the kind of a thing where she figured out what Samaritan was doing and went aha that's an idea maybe I could do that I
2: I think it was like I said the idea that you know of them running through its paces and it really did have that that war games mentality you know the computer playing the scenarios all the way through over and over again until it figured out the strategy I think yeah I think the machine figured it out um, because you know with that line of you know you've forgotten the secret of life and then in the end no it it remembered it and uh, I, I think it certainly figured out the way to do it the right way
0: yeah I agree and I also think this show did a brilliant job of making us really understand and see why food Fusco and Shaw could continue working together through the friendship they built between those two characters. They did a good job of making us realize get to no brainer these two are going to keep working together. There was no doubt in my mind Got the end of this episode because of the build up they, their friendship was had got kind of the fact that Fusco owes her because she did save his son.
2: Yeah and I like the idea of her taking the dog from him at the end where he was like oh you're taking the dog and she's like yeah. I mean that was kind of that was cute and funny you know because it it it, it it felt like she's going to continue the work, so she better
0: have a friend with her. Right. Good. CBS. Please don't spin-offs. Oh. Believe it be.
1: No,
2: because I mean, if if you were gonna do spin-offs, keep the original around. Yeah. I, I mean, I I was as a fan, I was not a fan of the way that CBS ever treated this show. You know, it, I did like at the end here that they did pack the you know the last season into a short period of time because it just made it easier to watch that it wasn't drawn out and you're going oh god I gotta wait till next week but you know the idea that they at least gave it a what was it a 10 episode 13 episode run to finish things off you know that was that was good as opposed to as you say you know I mean I'm, I'm sure you guys talked about the, the, the season ender of, uh, of Castle a series yes. ender of Castle and how at least for me as a fan that was disappointing that was you know because of the way that show got treated at the end they had to kind of throw things together they knew person of interest knew this was it we're going to go out the way we want to Go out and CBS at least let them do that. So that I'll give them credit for that. But otherwise, I wasn't a fan of the way they treated the show. And no, I don't see any sort of spin offs or movies. I could conceivably see it as a comic book yeah. uh, more than more than a lot of other shows on TV right now. A lot of stuff that would happen in this show, I would I would I would say you know oh I could see this on the page and panels and you know in in in, in comic book action. I thought that all along about this show. So I could see them doing a reboot or a spin off that way, but. You know, unless Nolan wants to get involved, why do it?
0: I agree. I think this is his baby and it should be his thing. Because I think this was his view, his take on the comic book vigilante, kind of superheroes and things like
2: that. Yeah, with a little bit of the spy thing thrown in as well. Yes. Espionage.
0: But that makes it seem feasible in the real world by throwing in that that aspect. Because I think that's what he wanted well to do. Because it was the idea, if we had superheroes or vigilantes in the real world, how could it be done in a way that doesn't seem outrageous and goofy? Because I think he succeeded in Doing that. Yeah. By having some, also by throwing in some sci fi fun as well. Okay, finally, I just want to end this discussion. Got a show that's given us some outstanding podcast content to discuss on this episode. Got is included with that is I just think I just wanted to talk about some of my favorite moments of series that led to our best discussion here on ATA. Because for me, some of my favorite aspects of the show was the first introduction of Goliath, the number of great recurring, of course, set up to be recurring villains, got this series. Like Collier, the leader of Vigilance, DMI 6 agents, played by Julian Sands, Groots, when she an evil or an adversary, Anthony, Goliath's right hand man, who always kind of got the one up on the of Interest team, because kind they of go, oh, I hate that guy. Simmons, the leader of HR, and of course, the voice who was well wrapped up at the end of the season. Got other things I could think of with Person Adventures that I really enjoyed was the episode where Carter found out about the of Interest team, which I think greatly solidified her character, the return of Kara Stanton, Greasy his former partner Shaw's first episode falls completely from her perspective the introduction of Control who is greatly played by Cameron Manheim Fusco taking down Simmons along with the wrap up to the KHR story career developing as show the show's ultimate human villain especially with that twist that vigilance Katara's group inside to destroy inventing technology which actually accompanying the door to Samaritan. but I think my favorite part of this entire series was the incredible idea of making the machine which easily could have been a plot device, could do a full-blown character, could almost a superhero-like character for this series. In my opinion, the machine was almost the Green Arrow, or the Flash, or the Supergirl that this show was built around. And this is what made this show so fun to watch and discuss on this podcast, because Nico and I would just be overloaded with theories based on sci-fi and computer technology that also spawned some very engaging debates between the two of us, where I think we both taught each other a lot about technology and storytelling and writing and a whole bunch of stuff. So with the bittersweet reality, these discussions are coming to an end. What were your favorite moments from this outstanding TV series known as Person of Interest?
1: The asynchronous storytelling throughout the series, the fact that the timeline would jump forward, flashback, tell stories from a single character's perspective like Shaw in her debut episode, and at other times show the entire story from multiple characters' perspectives. I really enjoyed the episode that was entirely told from the perspective perspective. perspective of the machine running simulations to get the person of interest team out of the basement alive once samaritan was alive and part of the show i liked the fact that sometimes we got surveillance from the machine's perspective and at other times from samaritans and the only way to be sure was squares or triangles and my dad even said when the machine booted back up in that finale oh good it's squares not triangles meaning it was our machine booting back up i loved the characters finch reese fusco carter root and shaw were excellent characters and heroes fully fleshed out and rounded to make us believe they could be real people the villains allies and person of interest each week got the same treatment and it made for very in-depth stories and just amazing characters all around i also loved the high concept ideas that led to hours of discussions between dan and i and we talked for hours about the nature of artificial intelligence whether we liked the idea of giving the machine a personality or not what that could mean how they needed to build to that whether or not the machine should be able to talk or not and i think they handled it and all the tech so well that you could believe that something like this existed in our world today or at worst in the very near future that was the brilliance of this show it never asked us to suspend our disbelief too much and kept the tech and ideas right on the cusp of what we thought was possible and shit right after the show came out we learned just how close it was to real life with the prism and other nsa spying on u.s citizens this show handled the that so well and even incorporated the snowden leaks as a false flag to keep the public from learning the true nature of northern lights this was so good all around and i just loved it
2: yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with you on that that there was a lot of the the, the reflection of reality you know it was a perfect post i mean yes i know it started 10 years later but it was a perfect post 9-11 show uh in that there was the idea of the the fear in the country of people spying on uh, you know our government spying on us the fear of how are we being monitored what are people what are people seeing about us you know how how protected are we when we're on the internet etc um, so yes yeah, so it was a perfect story reflected that way but never got too far out there like you say that you had to suspend your belief or go oh why am I you know what am I seeing why is it happening this way so yeah that was certainly good that way the writing as we said the different plot devices that they use the the what ifs um, the, the one episode you talked about where the, the computer ran through all the different scenarios and you got to see it from so many different ways because the show would tell the same not the same story but you know the different when you when you had 73 episodes or whatever uh, I'm sorry 103 episodes you know you'd have to do different ways of telling the same story and it, it would come up with some really unusual fun ways of telling them one thing that we didn't mention earlier that I'd like to mention here would be the, uh, the, the music that the show used not just from the series music that that went throughout the series but the the specific songs that were picked you know we can do uh, like the last episode with Bunsen Burners by uh, the band Cuts uh, from the movie Ex Machina as well as uh, a piece by Philip Glass the the music added to the show as well so that was something that I've always enjoyed about the show and it was just it was a a well acted well written well directed well produced series that made you think and at the same time you enjoyed it
0: yeah I mean that's really what it was okay, it was enjoyable every night that we watched it got okay, every episode got a point had a purpose Pushed the story forward and okay, i really felt satisfied okay, every week so with that congratulations to jonathan Nolan, jim kubin michael emerson gaby acker kevin choward shara shahi okay, the list goes on and on for just doing a brilliant job with the show this is something you really call should be proud of okay, it is a textbook example can okay, follow the new television so with that we're going to wrap up our discussions on person of interest which which i really sad to see, go away from this podcast. Get, go into our closing. Quirnico is going to tell you guys about how we're finishing out the summer for ATA.
1: Yeah, this week's episode concludes our reviews of the spring 2016 TV season, but we will be back for a special Comic-Con episode later this summer, and back in the fall when the fall 2016 TV season kicks off in late September, early October. DC Nation has also wrapped for the season, but make sure to rejoin us in the fall for Gotham, Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, and DC Legends of Tomorrow, and possible newcomer Krypton on the Sci-Fi channel, along with our Comic-Con episode and the Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad special episodes coming out this summer also be sure to keep an eye out for dan nikki and my review of the finale episode of season six of game of thrones on our thrones cast podcast finally be sure to keep an eye out for dan nikki and joshua doing the marvelverse podcast and their coverage of the marvel cinematic and television universes but for now we're going to roll that pre-recorded closing
0: at our across the airways podcast Network website across the Again, that's acrosstheairwayves.com you can check out all of our podcast shows available as their own individual programs get in the iTunes store get Google Play Store guys for the podcast shows color network we have the DC nation podcast located at DC nation that across that's DC nation which reviews popular DC comics related TV shows and movies there's also the Marvelverse podcast located at Marvelverse com. Again, that's Marvel dot com, which reviews Marvel Comics related TV shows and movies. Again, we also have Thronescast, a podcast dedicated to reviewing episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones, which is available at the website com. Again, that's com. In addition to these programs, you can listen to the original Across the Airways podcast, which is accessible at AcrossTheAirways.com, which reviews TV shows not related to superheroes core game of thrones like the walking dead doctor who star wars rebels supernatural and more concluding sitcoms such as the big bang theory got the muppets also you can listen to across the airways the dc nation podcast Thronescast, cast the game of thrones podcast got the marvelverse podcast got the mixed radio station code by jack stifles stitcher radio or if you use apple devices download the podcast box app got if you're on a windows or android device you can download our apps from the amazon marketplace got the windows marketplace got a regular windows or windows phone app because for how you can contact us to give your own listener feedback. Got a TV show's review. Provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening an experience. Or just want to say, Do you like what we're doing? Email us at Again, that's across the airways, get Could get us across the airwaves, Comment on our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter. Got across their waves. There's no thought in there. It's just across their waves. Join our circle, Got Plus. or leave us a voicemail by calling 773 809 3363 Could get at 773 809 3363 Call so with sending us an email. Please mention which podcast show you're directing the message to. Get the subject line, Give you are sending us listener feedback you want us to read, God the Air. I would also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies get television events. Along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel is a great source for panels from past Comic Con, and it will be a great resource to find videos related to the Comic Con taking place in San Diego this summer to go along with our Comic Con special. All right. So good. once again thank you, Mark, for joining us. Absolutely. Anytime. Gary, appreciate so again for mark Schreider, the real mark Schreider, get our ata <laughs> five cat songs nicky amy kim michael j penny joshua mercury james Keffel, steve Nostro, again michael j penny i dan schmidt and i'm Get and until our next episode we'll catch you on the airways Can remember if your number is up we will find you to our regularly scheduled program.